Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Everything Pistons podcast, where we only talk about the Detroit Pistons. Before we get started, you need to subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. After you subscribe, rate us, drop a comment, and more importantly, tell a Pistons fan. I'm Lance Capros, and I'm with Andrew Clements, a member of the Pistons family and from the Everything Pistons Instagram page, and he literally means Everything Pistons. If you want to see Jalen Green dunk contest highlights, well, I'm sorry, there are none, but you still need to follow Everything Pistons on Instagram. Joining we, us... We oh. tried to put them up, but the clip was too long. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed a minute on Instagram. Joining us today is special guest Deshaun Plunt. Deshaun, where can they follow you on Twitter? And tell our listeners where they can find your work. Hi. Um, for one, I'd like to say thanks for having me on Everything Pistons podcast today. Appreciate you, Lance, Andrew, for uh, the opportunity. You can follow me on uh, Twitter. That's Mr. Black Platinum. And um, I work, uh, I do writing with PistonsPower.com. I have several articles on there, ranging from Killian Hayes to... Isaiah Stewart and the top five small fours of all time. Well, Deshaun, so. thanks again for joining the podcast. And yeah, let's get into this, man. Jalen Green, you know, there weren't very many highlights. I mean, starting from the rookie sophomore challenge, but the dunk contest was bad. We're not going to get into that too much, but he did a thing at the beginning of the podcast where he pulled out a gold chain with a cell phone with his own highlights playing. He didn't do a dunk with it, but he took it off and he gave the chain to Isaiah Thomas. So my first question, I'm gonna, I'm asking you, Andrew, you're going to start it off. Was that Jalen Green's way of making amends with the city of Detroit and its fans? Or is it just corny to you? Uh, yeah, first and foremost, it, absolutely corny to, to bring that out. I, I think I don't think it was an apology. I actually think the opposite. I, I think he knew Isaiah was going to put it on to play to the kind of ceremony. And it was kind of, look, 
the greatest player in your history is wearing my highlights right yeah, now. Yeah, but why give it to Isaiah Thomas when Neek was there? I, I think that's the reason. That's the, the Detroit passed on him, and now he has uh, a memory of the greatest Piston ever wearing his highlights. So, but I mean, but I still think it's an apology. Deshaun, what are your thoughts? You think it's an apology, or are you agreeing with Andrew? I got to agree with Andrew on that. I think it was, I think it was a vintage troll move. <laughs> he, ba- he basically, I mean, from what I seen from it, I take it like he was trying to turn the greatest piston in the history of the organization into his fan or something. It's, you know, it was like, I got, I got the vibe. He got the NFT thing going on and he's trying to hand it off to Zeke. Come on now. I, do you think, <laughs> do you think Zeke had to give it back? Oh yeah, of course. There's no way yeah. Jalen Green is letting him keep that. Yeah, he definitely gave it back. I'm not sure if he wanted it after watching the dunk contest. <laughs> Ain't no NFTs coming out of that one. Yeah, it's I, not. I was hoping that the highlight of Cade crossing him over in summer league somehow made it onto there on accident. <laughs> I don't Man, know. Like, that would have been... I mean, uh, I agree with you guys. It's a little corny, but I do think it is Jalen Green almost in a way saying, Hey, sorry, this is my token back to you guys. Like I didn't mean, you know, no hard feelings. Have I think my that's what first bucket in the NBA. Enjoy that Detroit. I'm so sorry. Here's my first bucket. Nah. Well, it's, it's kind of like giver, giving an offering to the King, like in a way, that's how I looked at it where he's just like, Hey man, I messed up. I shouldn't have said anything, you know, Cade, he's, he's incredible. There really is no rivalry between us. I just want the hateful stuff on Twitter and any other form of social media to be gone. Here's my chain. Please accept this token as an apology. That I do believe in a couple of years, that clip will come back out and this will be talked about more. And people are just not listening to it for the first time on the Everything Business Podcast. But I really do believe it was Jalen Green giving an apology not to Detroit and all of their fans. Like, that's what I – I just thought it set it up so perfectly because, really, Isaiah Thomas is the most random dunk contest judge that was on at that table, you know? So it's just – he could have given it to anybody. and It would have made more sense. You're at the dunk contest, but you, with purpose, go and give it to Isaiah Thomas. But that's just my two cents. Like, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. I'm not trying to convince anybody other way. Otherwise, I just think it was an apology, so – But LeBron James, it's not normally Detroit Pistons news, but it could be Detroit Pistons news. LeBron James has said that his final season will be played with his son. What are your thoughts about the Detroit Pistons drafting Bronny James to get a shot at LeBron James? Deshaun, I'll let you start this one off. All right. Uh, I think that'd be interesting, actually. Uh, I'm not sure. What is it? The 2024 or 2023 draft that he would be? I think so, yeah. He would be in. So right now he's he's ranked anywhere from 30th to like 52nd in, as far as his uh, class. I'm not sure. You know, he is a four star recruit. I'm not sure, you know, if he's going to continue to grow his game. But I, I honestly feel like Bronny might have a long way to go, man, before he gets actually to the NBA. But I think with LeBron James saying that. There'll be teams definitely looking at him on when his draft night comes around because uh, it's value in drafting him. You get his dad too, and that's that's amazing. I'm not sure 
I'm not sure if the Pistons would be the right place for all that to take place, though. I'm not. I'm just. I wouldn't be a fan of that move. Oh, okay, but it is the 2024 draft class, so you were right. But Andrew, what are your thoughts on the Pistons drafting Bronny James to get a shot at LeBron? Man, all right. So uh, there's two ways of of looking at this, right? My final season in the NBA will be played with my son. Is LeBron James saying that the first year his son is in the NBA, he's going to retire after that year, meaning you get a one year rental, or does he mean I will play a contract and eventually down the road, I'm going to play with my son until I can't anymore, whether that be two more years, three, whatever. But I, I'm interested in it. I, I really am. And with LeBron James saying that, I think just about every other GM is, is interested as well. Um, having LeBron next to Cade, I mean, that would be that would be a lot of fun. And everybody wants to hate on LeBron and, and say whatever they want about him until there's a possibility he could come to your team. So I know I'll probably get hate for saying I, I like it and I like the move and I, I think it would be a lot of fun. But I'm going to just choose to embrace it. Okay, okay. Would you feel any different about Troy Weaver going out of his way to draft Bronny James, though? Like, let's just no. say he used the pick. So you, oh, you're completely on board with that. I'm trying to find yeah. Bronny James' wingspan. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's kind of the, the phrase I was thinking in my head, but I didn't want to say it because, you know, obviously you don't want to mortgage the future. You don't want to give up the house just to get uh, LeBron James at the very tail end of his career. But, I mean, if you could maybe give up some draft capital to move up and, and pick him, uh, look, another team is going to do that. There is a team out there desperate enough to trade up in the draft to grab Bronny and then sign his dad as well. We'll see. I don't because know. I mean, because seriously, I no, mean, you're right. you're I don't right. know if I don't know LeBron James contract, but if he is that dead set on coming to play in the NBA with his son, which that alone, I think, is super dope. And I don't think that's talked about enough. A father and son playing in the NBA, that is really cool together. Um, and I hope it happens. Uh, but uh, I, I just – I getting back to my point, I didn't want to say all in because I would have to know what we were giving up. But if Troy Weaver did move up, I probably wouldn't be too upset with it. If it was just like some draft capital and, you know, maybe some – end of the bench players you know real draft capital you're not moving up in the draft to draft lebron james yeah i mean i guess it depends like if it's like a second round pick for Bronny, sure i mean i don't know how he's gonna i'm just basically talking about Bronny james now i don't know how he'll be in a few years apparently he has a 44 inch vertical leap so there's definitely talent there like the kid is an explosive athlete and you really don't climb up the recruiting ranks without being a good basketball player so Bronny James yeah there's there's gonna be he's definitely gonna play in the NBA at some point I just don't know if I want Troy Weaver and the Pistons to throw the house at him for a no. chance at a 40 year old liberal you know LeBron James like LeBron James like for some reason he's beaten father time and it might continue but 40 years old I just don't know how he'll be well, well that and the thing about it is too how are you going to get LeBron James? 
I don't know LeBron's contract situation, but if he is that dead set on playing with his son, it's possible he signs in free agency and you don't have to give up anything but a roster spot. LeBron simply LeBron he James said, did it that way. Yeah, but he he said it probably it, right. He actually he, mentioned it. Yeah, he, he said actually, it's not about the money. Exactly. He mentioned that. And Andrew, I'd like to uh, say something with, with what you were saying. The uh, the historic relevance of a father-son combination being with your organization the first time ever in NBA history is is worth it alone. The the jersey sales and the amount of uh, attention it will bring to a franchise yeah. would be crazy. It'll, it'll, it'll almost be like, you know, right up there with winning a championship as far as the amount of attention and media coverage you would receive from that. And that's to- Tom Gore's favorite thing in life is the, is green paper and dollar signs. And that's yes, going to bring a lot of that to LCA. Yes, so, sir. So you're saying, basically you both are saying that there's a chance that maybe you don't like the idea, but having I LeBron do. James into, well, you like the idea, but I'll say that. I, I mean, I guess I would like, I would like to see LeBron in a, in a, in a Pistons Jersey as well. Like it would be cool. I just think it's kind of a corny way of making it happen though. You know, and that's I, what I agree with. I think I think that's just the wrong way to go about it. And then that that sets a, that sets a that sets a bad precedent moving forward for Bronny because then it leads people to question: Is the organization drafting him because of his talents, or are they drafting him with the idea that we might get his father for a, a one year rental or a possible a two point. year deal or something like that? Exactly. And my thing with it. My thing with it, the only reason I will say is because we're talking 2024. And, and like you said, Lance, we don't know what LeBron James will be at that point. Yep. You know, that's a lot of lot of miles on those tires, man. And, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm willing and to. And I just, them. you know. Yeah, no, you're right. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I think it would be funny if, like, Bronny doesn't get drafted, signs a huge deal with, like, some team in Italy. And I want to see LeBron put his money where his mouth is. I want to see him play for a team in Italy. Like, I'm kind of, like, I'm hoping for the success of Bronny. Don't get me wrong. But also, the humor in me is just saying, like, it'd be so much funnier if he didn't get drafted and signed overseas. Because I really want to that's see why LeBron that, James. That's why he put that caveat in there. He said, my last year in the league. So yes. if Bronny doesn't get drafted, he just go keep playing in the league. <laughs> right. Just, yeah, but I mean, just to have the opportunity to play with your son, like even if it's not in the NBA, I think LeBron would be like, yeah, I'll take the opportunity. I've made more than enough. I got nothing else to accomplish. Now, if he's at 40 years old and he's like 800 points away from breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's single season record, which I'm sure he'll do next year, so it won't even be a problem, he'd probably stick in the NBA without his son. But I just want to see it go to the extreme. That's all I want. I don't, right. you know, it'd be fun. It'd be cool if an NBA team did it. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for Bronny. I think it's cool, but it would just be way funnier if it happened overseas. That's it. Yeah. I just think it'd be way yeah. funnier. I just take it as a great opportunity for him to use his platform to uh, campaign for his son, make sure he's in that 2024 draft NBA. You got a chance at getting me with him. Yep. Imagine. I, think, I, think, I think it was a vintage two for one coupon. <laughs> Imagine if LeBron said, you got to draft my son in the top 10. Like, you got to make him a top 10 pick. I think teams might be like, ah, okay. I don't know if a 40-year-old LeBron is worth it at that point. Right, right, right. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you give up a lottery pick. I'll tell you yeah. that. We'll see, though, when the, when it comes out in 2024. Yeah. 
So our next segment is headlines with headlines. We bring you news stories, updates on the team in a quote or two. We'll share our thoughts if we have any, and then we'll move on. But first I'm going to drop some ads right here. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The first piece of headlines is Kate Cunningham wins the Rising Stars Challenge MVP. I think it's pretty cool. I really do. I think it's cool when a guy from the Detroit Pistons shows up, shows out. I think he had like, I think it was like 75% of his team's buckets were either scored or assisted by Cade Cunningham. You saw his hands all over the game, his influence in the game as well. But there's some people that are kind of downplaying what he did. They're pointing to other guys that have won the Rising Stars Challenge MVP, like Andre Drummond, Kyle Kuzma, Bogdan Bogdanovich, if I'm saying his name right. You know, the list can go on. My thing to all those people, though, is just let, let the kid, let the young man have his moment. Yeah, it, it's an all-star MVP. There, It's cool. That's all it is. I want to root for the kid. I don't want to downplay that accomplishment, even though it doesn't mean much to a lot of people. I just think it's cool for Cade Cunningham to come home with that hardware. But what are your thoughts on Cade Cunningham winning the MVP? Deshaun, you can go first. First, I'll say I liked it a lot. I think it was huge, not just for him, for his psyche going on into these last games, but I think it was a great opportunity for Detroit Pistons and the franchise to be seen on the nationwide platform of the NBA. Exactly. With, uh, three guys in there. Yeah, with all three guys and him bringing it home as that top draft pick this year, that, that kind of really uh, solidified what he has been doing for the Pistons. They may have been overlooked by national media coverage, 
and it and it really put a, a microscope on it. The way he, the way he played, he almost played. He he he's such a high level player that he didn't even get caught up in the idea of all star. I mean, he's running pick and roll out there. He's just facilitating. He's doing what he do. It wasn't all flash. It was, it was all substance to me. It was it, it was who Kate is. Yep, he controlled the game. Dominate yep. and, and control the tempo, control the game, and then score timely buckets when it matters most. So what do you think about the people downplaying that accomplishment? What do you have to say to them? I think they need to get off the kids back. I'll say this right now, you know what I mean? As far as Kay Cunningham, I have been probably very critical of him. I'm, I'm probably one of the more critical guys in – you know, the Pistons coverage that this, I've been very critical of Cade and I, I pay attention to him. And um, anybody who has something negative to say about him bringing home the MVP, the MVP, they're either not a Piston fan or they're just lost as far as not seeing what they're seeing in basketball. That's a, a great performance he put on in those two games. And I mean, the first game, what was it, 13, 6, and 5? Yep. He showcased everything. He showcased everything. And for those people that got something to say about it, that, that feel like somebody else should have won MVP or anything like that, they just need to get over it. It's coming back to Detroit and Cade won it. And before, I'm going to come back to you in a second, but I want to hear Andrew's thoughts first. But Andrew, what are your thoughts on Cade winning MVP? Yeah, man, I'm sitting here trying to think of something to say. I don't know if I could have said it better. You know, it's super cool to have all three guys in in the tournament and recognized in All-Star Weekend as some of the NBA's brightest and best of the, the young comers. Um, and to have uh, a Detroit guy win it, you know, we had good odds with players on, on two teams. Um, but to have Cade win it and win it as the least favorite team ranking by uh by vegas you know they ended up beating the quote-unquote number one ranked seed in the in the finals and led by Cade cunningham so it's super cool to see i i was super happy that he played well and you know it, it's just it's a lot of fun and it's showcasing what detroit and troy weaver and Dwayne casey are are building here so what do you think about the what do what do you have to say to the people on social media downplaying his MVP by comparing it to like Andre Drummond and Kyle Kuzma? I I, I mean, I, I would I don't know I didn't really see much I I didn't really pay too much attention of it. There it, wasn't it just a lot sounds, to be fair, but yeah, I, it just sounds like some people are upset that they didn't get Kane. No, these were Pistons fans, though. These were Pistons fans saying, like, basically, oh, like, Jesus Christ. Who, like, who cares? You know, it's just, it, it's an if MVP Pist- of an yeah, amateur it, game. If they're Pistons fans, why are you talking? Like, why? Why? I don't, I don't understand that. Who, your, your guy, your number one guy, your franchise guy, won an accomplishment in the NBA. Why can't no, we exactly. celebrate? Like, just shut up, dude. It, it, who cares? Yeah, you're right. You, is that what you want? You're right. It probably in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean much. It's not going to get him an extra contract 
or it's not going to be brought up in in contract. Hey, I was a rising stars MVP, like tightening up his tie in the meetings. No, that's not what it is, but it is a cool accomplishment in a player's first year. So what do you think about Isaiah Thomas drafting Anthony Edwards over Cade Cunningham? Oh, I see you roll your eyes. I know you got some thoughts on it. (laughs) It was fun to see them together, wasn't it? It was fun to see them together, but I just don't like, do you think it was something like Isaiah Thomas? Like there's kind of that pettiness to him a little bit where he's like, yeah, I know you're the new star of Detroit, but I'm not drafting you because I was the first, you know, superstar in Detroit. Pretty, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. He'd have to explain that. So Deshaun, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas drafting Anthony Edwards over Cade Cunningham? I don't know about that. I mean, I don't think I don't really look too much in it. I just think yeah. I just think he was looking like, hey, you know, I'm gonna grab Anthony Edwards. I'm gonna go with the high flower. I, I don't think he was thinking necessarily build a team to win. I think he was more or less looking like this guy is somebody that will perform well in an all star setting. You know, yeah, you're, you're looking to put on a show. I'm just not sure. I wouldn't look into it too much, but it is an interesting topic. It is, it is something to look into, but he did have the other two guys. That's true. He did have the other two Pistons. I just, Sadiq was like, I just it up don't know too. about it. I would love to hear, I would love to hear his take on why that happened. But you could see that smile on his face after where he's like, dang, I, I messed up. I should have tried Yeah, he game. knew, he kind of knew, he, he kind of knew he made a mistake. You know am what I'm I, saying? Like, am I wrong? Anthony Edwards didn't even play the second game. He didn't. He was in his warm-ups. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if it yeah. was an injury or maybe but he just told Isaiah, I'll just sit out this one or something. Sadiq was outshining him, hurt his ego, maybe. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I love Anthony Edwards. I get the thought process, too, where you're like, look, there's a, you know, there's a, essentially a rookie in Detroit in Cade Cunningham. He's good, but his rookie year hasn't maybe – Maybe he drafted Anthony Edwards because he thought that Cade hadn't lived up to his own expectations that Isaiah has placed on him. So he went with the more sure thing, a guy that, you know, had an outstanding rookie year and has played pretty well as a sophomore. And I mean, I just kind of basically want it to be explained because I always think when it comes to Isaiah Thomas, yes, I do love him. He is a Detroit legend. Do not get me wrong. But I also think, because we've talked about this on the podcast, I believe that there is a level of, I don't want people to forget me. So I'm going to go with the lesser known, the lesser talents, no offense to Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart at all, but I'm going to go with those guys. Cause I'm still going to show Detroit love, but I'm not going to go with the superstar rookie in Cade Cunningham because I don't want him to, you know, I don't want people to forget about me. I think there could be a level of that with Isaiah Thomas when it came to drafting him, came to drafting Anthony Edwards over Cade Cunningham because the way Cade played, I mean, he looked like he was the number one overall pick in this draft and last draft, the way he played in the rookie-sophomore game. But, Deshaun, I want to hear your thoughts on Cade Cunningham since you brought it up. Why have you been so critical of him this season? Has he not lived up to the expectations that you had for him, or is there something else going on? Um, I'm probably, like I said, one of the few that I wasn't all the way sold on him pre-draft. I feel you. It was um, it was the turnovers in college that kind of got to me a little bit, but I will say this: he's definitely lived up to the expectations that I set for him. You know what I'm okay. saying? As far as in my mind, what I felt like he should be, 
he has answered a lot of those questions. Um, I, I was critical as I would have been with any rookie. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I feel like what, what I wanted more so than any one specific player is I just wanted to secure with this draft, us having the number one pick. I wanted to make sure we got the best player available in the draft. I didn't care what the name was. I just wanted to make sure we got who, it right. Who was and that I to you like pre-draft? Okay. What? I was wondering if it was you saying all that, if you were a Jalen Green number one fan. I was a Green fan, but okay. I, I liked it Mobley as well. I, I felt like all, I felt like when guys were saying there was a huge talent gap between the uh, Cade and the other two, I felt like it was it, it was possibly closer than guys projected. But, yeah, but w- what I was saying was, were you pre-draft still taking Cade number one, or were you wanting someone else pre-draft? I was interested in in, in possibly trading back. Mm, okay. I, I would say that. I would say okay. I would say I was I was considering a possible trade back and taking one of the other two with the right package. I got you. I but, feel you on that. But now I feel like we got the right guy. I, I have no issue with Cade. I love what he's doing. And I think he's he's moving in the right direction. He's he's growing. And I think this, like I said, I think this MVP in the challenge game will really help with his psyche. And I think it will give him a lot more confidence in his shot and in his overall game moving forward. I do too. And I was with you on that when you were talking about you didn't think there was that big of a gap between Kate Cunningham. And I'm with you. I did a draft talk episode with Tommy from Driving to the Basket. And we were talking about that. And I said the exact same thing. I think that Kate is the number one pick but I do believe the talent from the rest of the prospects, it's a lot closer than people were giving them credit for. And I was pretty much trying to talk myself out of drafting Cade Cunningham, which I'm glad I was wrong, but I do think in a few years, we're going to look back on this draft and say, you know, Mobley could have gone one and, you know, we wouldn't, the Pistons fans wouldn't be disappointed. And if you're telling me that you'd be disappointed with Evan Mobley, on the Pistons, you're lying to not only me, but to yourself. Like Evan Mobley is a damn good basketball player. He's going to be good for a number of years going forward. But I mean, and I agree with you. I I do think Cade was the right pick, but at that time, I really felt like that conversation could have been had about someone else being number one. And that's probably what I'm most disappointed at that. Anytime you try to have a conversation about any of the other prospects, going number one, everybody's like, they just dismissed you. They didn't want to hear it. Everybody was sold on Cade, and rightfully so. But I just, again, Deshaun, I'm with you. I just thought the talent gap was a lot closer than people were giving it credit for. Like, this rookie class has really shown out from Cade to Evan Mobley to Scotty Barnes. Jalen Suggs has played well. Franz Wagner has played well. Cam Thomas has had a few good games in Brooklyn. Bones Highland, he's looked good for Denver. And I know in Say goon for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I did that on purpose. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm talking about his teammate, Say Goon. And if I'm, I, I apologize if I'm getting his last name wrong. But he's looked really good, and he was drafted a little later in in that class. But basically, my point is, this rookie draft class has been good, and that talent gap was a lot closer than people were giving it credit for. 
But we'll switch gears. Do you think watching his teammates in the game will motivate Killian Hayes at all going forward? Andrew, I'll turn it over to you first. Ooh, that's an interesting question. I mean, obviously um, we don't get to talk to these guys, but I don't know. I, I think personally it would motivate me to get into the gym that night watching them play and not being along, not, not being with them. Yeah. I, I don't want to say yes, because I'm going to go with the train of thought. Killian Hayes doesn't need more motivation. Mm. I, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things in, in Killian Hayes's game that, needs work i don't think we need to add motivation to that list because it's pure speculation okay i mean if you have a guy in the nba that isn't coming into practice that isn't coming into the gym to to work out that isn't working on his game he's not going to be on the team very long so i i i'm not going to say motivation is something killian hayes lacks what about you, Deshaun? Do you think this motivates Killian Hayes, or do you agree more with Andrew that he doesn't need more motivation? Um, I I think I think it should motivate him. I think it should definitely motivate him. Um, he was the seventh pick. He was drafted over Bay. He was drafted over Stewart. He's watching his his uh, peers go on to the Rising Stars game. He's watching the rookie that came in this year and Cade Cunningham, you know, um, he's watching him perform and he has to wonder where he fits in as far as he should be, he, he should, but with, like Andrew said, he should, he shouldn't need any more motivation as well. It's one of those things where he should, he has every reason to be in the gym working diligently every day without, all-star appearance without any of that because he has he has a ways to go he had he should be non-stop around the clock trying to figure out ways to get better working on creative ways to finish at the rim and getting dribbles with the right hand he needs he needs to be up and down that court with that right hand exactly. as often as possible and if it takes him if it takes him to have to watch those guys perform to do it, I, that's not good for him. But I will say you're, you're right. It, that should be pure motivation. I mean, just, just the idea. I think it goes both ways. That's one of those things where it's just, it's hard for me to really pinpoint it and, and, and say which way it goes because he shouldn't need that for motivation yet. That should still motivate. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I think, too, you're watching Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that Pistons fans wanted. He's throwing a lob to Isaiah Stewart. He's, you know, getting some assists to Sadiq Bay, And you see all the noise on Twitter. Like, man, imagine if, you know, the Pistons had Tyrese Halliburton. That should be motivation in itself to where he's getting his butt in the gym, shooting jumpers, working on his right hand, trying to figure out ways to finish around the rim. He should be doing that type of stuff. And, yeah, you guys are both right. We have no way of knowing if it will motivate him or not. But I do believe if you are a ball, if you are a basketball player and you were drafted seventh overall, you're the second highest pick in the Troy Weaver era. You need to be doing everything to make sure that you are standing on that podium with Cade, with Sadiq Bey, and with Isaiah Stewart. And I just I just want to interject here because a lot of people are in their cars like, yeah, he's right. Killian Hayes does need to be doing all that. There's no nothing to suggest he's not. 
just because he isn't taking the same career trajectory as as some other people he was drafted near doesn't mean he isn't working on his game. I just want to say that. Yeah, no, and I, I'm not insinuating that he's I know not. You. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I would hope that he's in the gym every day working on his game. But I just think when you see your teammates, like, I mean, it, it pissed me off when I saw – when I would be in the weight room and I saw someone – bench a little bit more than me or squat a little more than me. It would motivate me differently where I'm like, I'm going to beat you like that. That's my mentality. And I would hope that Killian Hayes would have the same mentality where, you know what? Yeah. I see these guys getting all these accomplishments. You know, when I go to their Wikipedia page or their basketball reference page, I see those things. I see the all rookie teams. I see, you know, the potential rookie of the year under Cade's name. I want that same stuff. I want those accolades. I want people to know, recognize me as a good player and not as an afterthought or as Troy Weaver's worst draft pick. Cause that right. is very, I mean, that's where he's oh. headed, you know, if yeah, he continues also took this balsa. Way. Okay. We're talking about in the first round. <laughs> way to be I think funny. It's one of those things, Lance, I think it's one of those things where it's just a athlete's competitive mindset. Like you were just saying, if you're if you're in the gym, you're you're weightlifting, you see that it's the it's the natural competitive nature to make you want to match that. You you see your you see your counterparts performing at a high level, you want to perform at a high level as well. So I totally agree. I totally agree with that train of thought where you came from. And Andrew, you were spot on with that when you said that he's we can't take it for granted to think he's not putting in that work or anything like that. I'm sure he is because him coming back from that labrum last year, that's a, that's a serious injury mm -hmm. and it takes hard work and dedication to get back out there on that floor. And he's done it. So behind closed doors, I'm not sure who's working harder than him. I think he puts the work in with the best of them. And that's why you still see him get the minutes. You still see him playing and that's why even though the productivity might not have been there he was in that starting lineup because like you said everybody's not going to be on that same trajectory but you have to reward guys as hard works too and I think he's he's one of those guys that's dedicated and I think Killian Hayes puts that work in I'm just hoping we see after this all-star break we see a new we see a different Killian like I like some of the stuff he does don't get me wrong I'm still on his side I still think he's going to be a good player in the NBA, but the clock is ticking for him to prove it, you know, like really get, hopefully this is the push that he needs and hopefully him, Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver are talking about it, but we can move on. We got this quote from Cade. I love this quote because you guys kind of, you both have already alluded to it. His mentality changing, being there at the all-star weekend. This comes from Rod Beard, but Cade Cunningham says, He's in basketball heaven this weekend. I'm not starstruck anymore. I kind of look at myself as one of those guys now. And I love that from Cade, man. Like, cause that's really just kind of a, a little snippet into his mentality of like, yeah, I want to be with these guys, but not only do I want to be with them, I already find myself here. Like I, I already am like, I'm here. I I'm one of these guys and that going forward, that, that quote right there and in, in just that little look into his mindset of how good he wants to be. I think we're going to see a different Cade for the next, what, 28 games after the all-star break. We're going to see a new look Cade with that quote right there because him in his mind, he has already arrived. There is no more 
wait a few more years. Wait to wait, wait for me to be an all-star. In his mind, he's already an all-star and he's looking at the game like I'm already one of the best. And that is why I love that quote. But I don't know if you guys have thoughts on it. We don't have to talk too much about it, but what are your thoughts real quick on Cade Cunningham and that quote right there? My, my honest first thoughts are I kind of wish he waited to say something like that while he was playing on a Sunday. Like, like I get it, I, and I get the mindset, like, I'm here amongst the stars, although not an all-star, I'm still taking part in all-star festivities, I can play with these guys, you know, we all know that, but just to me, I kind of wish he waited to say something like that, because if he keeps going the way he's going, he might get an all-star in the next, I'd say, two years. Yeah, we were saying by his third season. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's probably coming soon, you know. So it's not like the the quote wouldn't have made sense then, you know. Cade Cunningham, second year, third year player, he's an all-star now. He's arrived. You know, that still makes sense. But I, I get what Cade was saying, and, and I get the mentality, and I hope it translates uh, on the court. Maybe he comes back with a new swag, you know. Maybe it was his way of saying – Jesus, Jeremy Grant, pass me the ball when we're on a break because I'm here too. <laughs> so before I pass it over to Deshaun, let me just ask you, do you think that we'll see a different Cade Cunningham in the re the remainder of the season? I wouldn't say that. No, I don't think so. I think we'll still see the same type of guy. I, I mean, I don't know what a different Cade Cunningham would, would look like. See, I think that quote is – basically almost putting fear in the rest of the NBA. Like, look, I figured it out. The game is slowed down. I'm coming for that rookie of the year, and you're going to see a whole different animal the, the rest of the season. That's what I think like, Cade was saying to the NBA. Like, but, but do we think it's like, watch out for me. I'm now, like, now that I'm here, I should be able to take 25 to 28 shots a game? No, see, I'm not saying it's about the shots. I just think it's more of him, like, I'm not going to be afraid. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid of the guys trying to double team me all the time. Like I, I I'm one of you, like that stuff isn't going to stop me from, you know, playing my game. I think that's what Moore is alluding to. Like, he's like, look, I've already been recognized during the all-star weekend. I'm one of the best. And my mentality is I'm, I'm right up there with the rest of the guys, even though if they have multiple all-star appearances, I have arrived. But Deshaun, what are your thoughts on the quote? And do you think that this will, will be seeing a different Cade Cunningham going forward for the rest of the season? I do think I do think we'll see a different K Cunningham and it might not necessarily be where he's shooting more, but I think we'll see a, a more confident Cade as far as body language and all of that. And I think this is what the all star weekend is all about. You get these young guys and it's so much different. The NBA really does well with their all star break over other sports because what do they do? They take the city and they bring in all the legends. And it's just a huge, huge atmosphere of strong basketball minds, NBA greats, seasoned veterans, and high-level players of right now's generation. And when you get Cade, he, being a rookie, whether he's the number one pick or not, he has that question mark in the back of, the, in the, in the back of his head, where do I fit in amongst the LeBron Jameses? He, all of these guys that he's he's seen his whole life, the Luka Doncic and these type of players that he may have looked up to. He, I think I think what he was saying from that, he's no longer looking at them 
as somebody to revere or, or excuse me, to idolize. He's looking at him now as a peer and somebody that he looks eye to eye with yeah. as men and can see himself challenging them just as much as they're challenging him. Mm, yeah, that. it's kind I of, a, it, it, I like that too. It's more of a, I grew up watching these guys uh, on television and now we're in the same spot, you know, exactly. whereas when, when I first came into the league, I couldn't believe I was on the floor with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, right. Steph Curry. Now I belong on the floor with KD, Steph, not, and LeBron. Exactly, Andrew. And not only that, you it's not more so him playing in the skills game, but it, or the uh, rising stars game. Yes, he did play well. He played well against his peers. But it's the it's the reassurance off the floor that he's getting from guys as the David Robinsons are walking past and they're giving yep. him they're giving yep. him advice. And you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he's telling you things, you know, and it's it's these guys are telling you that you are the future now. They're sitting here giving you the reassurance that you need and the confidence in your game. And they're saying, hey, man, that game here, this game there, you could have did this. You're getting you're getting the toolage that you can't get anywhere. And that that's what that to me, that's what the all-star break is for when you get those young players like that. Hopefully it's a hopefully great opportunity Cade, for them to brush shoulders. Yeah. And, and well, brushing shoulders, hopefully Cade's out there doing a little recruiting. Oh, uh, I'm <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he is. If not, we know. If you saw him talking to Colin ask. Sexton. <laughs> if Cade wasn't doing it, you know we always got Ashton. Yeah, he's that's true. All, he's always front row. He's frontliner. Cade's <laughs> right hip pocket. There yes, we go. Sir. All right, we're going to move on, and it's time for the Everything Pistons podcast, Player of the Win. We finally have one. We'll each select a player. We won't pick the same player unless we all agree that it's unanimous. The Pistons beat the Boston Celtics 112 to 111 on February 16th, the final game before the All-Star break. And, yeah, we're going to pick one. I, I'm going with Sadiq Bey, though. He had 20 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 5 from 8 from the three-point line, and one big three as time expired. Sadiq Bey also shoots 70% from the three-point line in his career against the Boston Celtics. All my money is going on him when the All-Star event, All-Star weekend's being held in Boston because you know he won't miss when he's in the three-point contest. But, Andrew, I'll go with you. Who's your Everything Pistons podcast player of the win? Well, I, I will definitely let Deshaun, since there's only really two others to choose from. If he wants to pick mine, that's fine. I mean, if you guys um, want to make it <laughs> unanimous with Sadiq Bey, just let me know. No, 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 no. I'm not going I, with Sadiq Bey. I, I, I'm going with the, with the guy that gets some of the most hate, maybe not the most hate, but a lot of hate on the team. And I'm going with Jeremy Grant for his closeout shots and, and the oh, way he you took, took it out down of, the stretch. You took it out of my mouth. That's what I was oh, going to go with. I was going to go with him. Go ahead. Take him. No, no. I, I, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, I if just, you both I, agree with Jeremy Grant, like I can't, you know, my hands are tied. You know, we can always bend the rules for a guest. 2v1 <laughs> veto. Um, but, man, I, in all honesty, though, yeah, the way Jeremy Grant hit those shots and closed out the game, a very close game against a very good Brooklyn or uh, Boston Celtics team that had just won the night before by, like, 156 or something like that. And, and you know, someone said something to me, a Boston fan said something to me on, on Twitter, like, oh, Boston's playing a back-to-back. -back. Yeah, they should still beat Detroit. But, yeah. but Detroit came to, came to play. 
and Boston took them lightly and, and Detroit came out and punched them in the mouth and a big reason. And a big part of that was Jeremy Grant closing down the stretch. He played really well too. He played, he stuck to his game where he was cutting and moving without the ball. All four of his three pointers were assisted. Meaning, you know, I think they were maybe took one dribble, but like, that's what I've wanted to see from Jeremy Grant that I've said it even before, right when he signed with the Detroit Pistons, I'm like, man, if he continues to play his game where he's moving without the ball, you know, making good cuts, you know, pulling, you know, relocating along the perimeter and pulling up, you know, stepping into his shot, it's you know, Detroit's going to get a good player, and that's what we saw against Boston. But I won't talk too much to Sean, who is your everything Pistons player of the win. Um, I gotta go. Uh, like I said, it was going to be Grant, but I'll take K. Those eight rebounds were huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I believe it was six assists to go with the 20 points. You might not have got the shooting percentage you wanted, but you got the steady play all game. Three, he played, three or six from three. Right. 50 percent from downtown. Yeah, yeah. that was huge. Um, I believe as a team, the, the whole team shot the three ball well that night. Jeremy Grant, four for six. Yep. K, three for six. Sadiq, five I, I, for eight I believe, for three. Yeah, I believe uh, I believe we were fifty three percent that night from from three, which yep. is I mean that's on fire. You we I don't think we had a game like that maybe all year. And even uh, Kelly o- Kelly Olenek three for four from the three point line put a beating down on Boston. Right, right. Looked like his, his old, old self. Team. His old team gave him fifteen yep. points. I think it was 15, 16 big ones. Yep. And then even Isaiah Stewart, you know, twelve point six rebounds, one block, one steal, two assists, six for ten from the field. He looked good. I mean. Man, I want to give credit to Isaiah Stewart, too, man, because early in that game, you know, Boston was switching on everybody, and he was just taking advantage of those matchups. He had Grant Williams on a few times, Jason Tatum. I mean, he even scored on Al Horford on the block. Like, that is something else I want to see from Isaiah Stewart, just getting comfortable down low and getting buckets on these guys. And not to mention from Isaiah Stewart, tomato, tomato, Isaiah or Cade had the game-winning block on, on Jalen Brown. Yep, they did. That was exactly. a great block. Man, that, that was a great block. They they both got right in there. That was incredible. But uh, we, we can uh, move on as well. Let's We're getting into kind of like – it's not a new segment, but we, we, we feel like it's our job to bring these type of stats up. So, Kate Cunningham is double-teamed an average of 12.8 possessions per game, which leads all rookies this season as one of the highest double-team rates – amongst rookies of all time so why do you think Kate is double teamed so much is it because teams fear what he can do with the ball in his hands or is it because teams know he's not experienced enough to handle it resulting in easy turnovers Deshaun I'll turn it over to you first um I don't think it's the turnover I don't think it's about the turnovers like that I think it's a little bit of both though I think um his skill set the way he's he's facilitating the offense it's, it's a defensive assignment to try to get the ball out of his hands as often as possible, naturally. But I think uh, guys are blitzing him, too. And I think that's playing a role, not just in his turnovers, but that's a testament to the team shooting. We're shooting 32% from three as, as, a, as a team. So we're giving the defense opportunities to collapse on guys. I think that's... Uh, that's something they're looking at in the, in the thing. They're saying, okay, how can we slow down, Kate? Well, they're not shooting well. All we got to do is help off these guys. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's creating some of those turnovers. 
Andrew, what about I, you? What were your thoughts? I, I do definitely like that last part. The, you know, there's not a lot on this team that can beat us. So let's double team what could beat us. But I think Cade gets double teamed at, at a super high rate because he just simply is that dude. Like Cade Cunningham is that guy. If, if this stat never came out and I gave you this list, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Cade Cunningham, out of that list and I asked you who gets double teamed the most, you're not saying Cade, but it is. Ooh, gets right. double teamed more than LeBron and more than Steph Curry. Here's a list of people in the NBA that get double teamed at the same rate, 13 possessions a game. All right. So Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, Kevin Durant, Darius Garland, Drew Holiday, Tyrese Maxey, then Cade Cunningham, then LeBron James, then Steph Curry all get double teamed at 13 possessions a game. Mm. Mm. Wow, great stats. Great, great, for sure. I, I, I have to agree with Deshaun, and I think it's a combination of both. I think Cade is the most dangerous with the ball in his hands. Teams know that he's the best shot creator. But also, I kind of want to point out, and I hope Cade works on this over the summer, because, I mean, what am I saying, Hope? I know he will. It's the handle. The handle is a little weak by NBA standards. It results in about three and a half turnovers per game. They need another strong ball handler out there as well. So I think it's, uh, again, I just think it's a combination of both. He's very dangerous. Teams need to know he's really one of the only threats to get his shot off and create for himself. So we're going to try to put the ball in someone else's hands that can't do that type of stuff. Like, you know, so, but also I just think it's teams picking on Cade because, you know, he is a rookie, even though he is dangerous, that experience isn't there to beat the double teams consistently resulting in easy turnovers. So I think that's why it is for teams. And like, I know I'm kind of going with the cheap answer and the easy answer, but I do find the stat kind of crazy. I didn't know that, you know, NBA teams would double a rookie like that, you know, like I didn't know that, you know, he's the number one pick, but I didn't know he was that dangerous on the floor, you know, where teams are like, man, we got a game pin we got a game plan for this kid like this. He is good. He is legit. We gotta, he is the number one guy we have to stop. Even though the Pistons are bad, they're not very good this year. He gives them a chance every single night. So let's try to take the ball out of his hands. And, you know, I mean, good for Kate, you know, being recognized as one of the best players in the league where teams have to take him seriously each and every single night. So here's, here are Jeremy Grant's numbers playing with Cade versus without Cade. With Cade, this is a 24-game sample. He's averaging 20.6 points per game, shooting 44, 37, 87% from the line in a 57% true shooting percentage. Then without Cade, it's only a nine-game sample, 14.8 .8 points per game on 35, 25, 75% from the line in 45% true shooting. Are you surprised by Jeremy Grant's numbers with Cade versus without Cade? Andrew, I'll turn it over to you first. I, I'm really not because it's kind of the Cade Cunningham numbers with and without Killian Hayes, you know, same kind of talk. Um, but whereas this time Cade Cunningham getting doubled, what we were just talking about, if he's not on the floor, that leaves your double teams to really go to whoever is hot, whether Jeremy Grant starts hitting shots or it be Sadiq Bay. And as we've seen, when uh, when Jeremy or uh, when Cade Cunningham is not on the floor, the Pistons really turn into the Jeremy Grant show. Uh, 
So it would make sense that his numbers are are a little down because in my mind, defensive, defensively, you just focus more on Jeremy Grant. Whereas when Cade's on the floor, you got to kind of pick your poison. See, and this should be an eye-opener for Jeremy Grant, if it's not already, where it's like, man, this kid, for how good as he is, he opens up my game and makes me a better player. I'm going to buy into him being the number one, and I'm going to play more off of him. I Hopefully, we see that more from Jeremy Grant when Cade is on the floor. But Deshaun, what are your thoughts on uh, Jeremy's numbers with Cade versus without Cade? I think the numbers with Cade is a testament to exactly what type of player Cade is as far as how he impacts the game, how he even, you know, when other guys are doing their thing, it makes it makes you have to – he puts so much pressure on you like you were just – up. we just talked about the double teams. He puts so much pressure on you, other guys can get freed up. So, Jeremy, I could see him scoring more. But to me, it's actually mind-boggling because I would expect Jeremy Grant being the scorer that he is to actually give you a better output when Cade wasn't on the floor. It seemed like he would look for more touches take more shots, but uh, I think it's a small sample size, obviously, but it's uh, it's interesting. It's yeah. an interesting stat, and I think it's something where Jeremy Grant should, he should take this, like you said, look at it and analyze it and, and use it in his game. I think the Boston game should be how Jeremy plays from now on. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you find- hit it right on the head earlier when you said that. When you was talking about the way he was moving off the ball, the ball wasn't sticking. Even yep. though he ended up leading us in scoring, the ball wasn't sticking. And that that's huge. No, it really is. And, I mean, he did that on 13 shots against Boston as well, meaning, like, look, you were playing the game that you were brought into play. Like, moving without the ball, relocating along the perimeter, bringing energy on defense. I can't say that enough from Jeremy Grant. I saw people complaining about the rebound numbers. It's whatever, man. As long as he's playing into what they're trying to do, he's playing off of Cade. We're finally seeing how these two, you know, we're kind of seeing the vision that Troy Weaver had when both these guys are on top of their game. So it's nice for a change. But here's another stat that I wanted to bring up. The Detroit Pistons have a record of 25 and five and 25 with Jeremy Grant since October 20th of 2021. Does Jeremy Grant give us the best odds of getting another top five pick? No. What the record, the stats say it does. I don't care what, I mean, not having Jeremy Grant would give us a better option of having Jeremy Grant just won us the Boston game. I know. Not having Jeremy Grant would have lost us that game. Oh, but do you see how many wins the Pistons had without Jeremy Grant after the season turned from 2021 to 2022? How many wins, dude? I don't even need all 10 fingers and 10 toes to count the Pistons wins. Did you say you don't need them? Yeah. No, I said I don't need all 10 fingers and 10 toes to count how many Pistons wins there are. But there were more without Jeremy Grant, though. That's just all I'm getting at. Like, Jeremy Grant helps the Pistons out securing another top draft pick. Deshaun, what do you think about that stat? Do you think, or do you think that Jeremy Grant gives the Pistons a better odds at winning a top five pick? I definitely think Jeremy Grant does not give us the best Oh, option. come on. He does yeah, not give go. us the best option. Come on, man. He just won the Boston game for And for you to bring up the <laughs> – this is great, though. Because those games that we did win, you know, we, we had some big wins that we probably wanted to got, you know, but I'm, I, I'm not buying it. He's an Olympic. He's an Olympic. 
Thank uh, you. gold medalist. He's he's a decent two way player, man. I think he I is. Think, he I think is. Piston fans have got a little, uh, you know, they have they're getting a little skeptical as far as him and Cade and wondering how it's gonna work. But I think we got to give Jeremy Grant some time, man. He, he's he's a good talent, man. He's not he's not. He's not going to help us lose more games. You, we have to remember that we may have been better last year than this year, record-wise. So according to Stat Muse, the record for the Pistons without Jeremy Grant is 8-17 and 17, with a 32% win percentage. <laughs> so, like, I think there is something to having Jeremy Grant on this team where, like, he is a good talent. He's a good two-way player. Don't get me wrong. I just think – and I've said it so many times on this podcast, I just think he's in the wrong role in Detroit as the number two option. You know what I'm saying? Like teams don't fear Jeremy Grant as the second, as the, as the number two behind K they just don't. So I do believe that Jeremy Grant gives the Pistons a better chance at winning a top five pick. Like I have to disagree with both of you guys strongly on this. I just, I hope. And, and that's why I'm glad Troy Weaver didn't trade Jeremy Grant. I think there was something more to this than other than just seeing oh, how him and Cade can fit where he's like, you know what? We, we got the number one overall pick last year with Jeremy Grant as the number one. We'll just keep him on the team and see how the lottery balls fall again. At <laughs> At Lance Caparossi on Twitter for all your hate. That is at <laughs> Lance Caparossi. <laughs> just, I'm just saying, like, I the numbers prove that I'm right. But let's talk about Marvin Bagley. He's played two games. He's averaging eight points per game, seven rebounds. He's shooting 41% from the field, 0% from the three-point line, 28% from the free throw line he's taken 17 shots 15 shots have come inside 16 feet he's only taken one three-pointer which i'm very happy about and he's caught two alley-oops but what are your first early impressions on marvin bagley sean i'm gonna turn it over to you uh paint presence Mm -hmm. the points in the paint i mean he's not scoring the ball extremely a lot but he he's six rebounds that was huge the other game before that he helps He's helping on the boards. He uh he's giving us more rebounds than Kelly O'Linick with the seven. That's helping us. That was more than I believe uh Trey Lyles as well. What about you, Andrew? What are your yeah, first impressions uh, of Marvin Bagley? I, I like him and I, I think he's coming in and doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He definitely gives you that vertical lob threat that that we were talking about a few weeks ago before he made his debut, throwing down some vicious dunks. And even uh, I think he even had a highlight dunk on someone, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Grant Williams, man. It was yeah. that LU, dude. Yeah, yeah, that was that was down bad, on. man. So I, I really like the addition uh, of him on the team, man. And with the rebounds, that's something that is lacking in in Detroit. The uh, defensive presence that Deshaun already touched on lacking in Detroit that he brings and he just brings another weapon on offense. I'm, I'm excited to see how he kind of fits into his role moving forward. Because in the first couple games, we saw some lineups with like him and Isaiah Stewart on the floor. And that then him and either, yeah, but. no, it doesn't. And him and Kelly Olenek on the floor. I don't really like that either. I like when he is the big on the floor, um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see where coach Casey sees his fit best and, and his, uh, fit moving forward on the team, but but so far in a small sample size, he he looks uh, he looks good for the Pistons. He does look good, and I love that he is not 
I love that he's not standing in the corner like he's in Sacramento. Like, I love that he's using his length and his athletic ability at the basket. I talked about it last week on the podcast where I really just wanted to see him play closer. You know, I wanted to see him use his length and his athletic ability to bully people down low, something you weren't really seeing in Sacramento at all from him. They just put him in a corner and said, forget about him. You know, that's what they did. So I have been impressed as well with Marvin Bagley. I mean, it's again, it's a small sample size, but like, you know, we're getting good rebound numbers. You know, we're getting some good points in the paint. I like it. We're getting a lob threat like you guys have both already mentioned. And I, you're right, man. I don't want to see him play with Isaiah Stewart. There's just no spacing. And him and Kelly Olenek, I like the idea of pairing him with a stretch big because, again, Marvin Bagley's just not really good from the three-point line. I don't care about the numbers in Sacramento. They were, like, you was shooting, like, I think 34%, but he took, like, 63-pointers one year. They had, like, 40-something games. So, like, it's a very small sample size of how good of he is from behind the arc. But I like the idea of pairing him with another big that will create more space for him down low. A couple of things I was – well, one thing I really wasn't impressed with in the Boston game is he had Daniel Tice on him a couple times. And Daniel Tice, you know, he's a pretty solid defender. I'll give him that. But, like, dude, why are you fading on Daniel Tice? That's a, He's a six foot seven <laughs> center. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like seeing that. I wanted to see him go at Daniel Tice. I wanted to see him – go over him and use that length like that's what I wanted and the other thing is man the dude is I know he's left-handed but he is so reliant on his left hand he made a couple moves down low where I'm like man if you just learn to do that little drop step and you know use your right hand you would have a much clearer lane at the rim like you would and I just want to see more development from Marvin Bagley but again I'm with you guys I, I, I was impressed in his first two games but what are your expectations going forward with Marvin Bagley for the rest of the season, we won't talk about next year, just the remaining games. What, what are your expectations for Marvin Bagley? And Andrew, you can go first. Hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I really, I really don't. I just expect him to keep up what he's doing, be a paint presence, get the, the garbage points, you know, the, the rebounds, the Marvin Bagley might not be a guy that has plays drawn up for, uh, for him, but he is a guy that can probably lead you in scoring some nights when he has it going so just that and continue to be a a rim protector lob threat and just a presence on the on the defensive end that this team needs so badly that's fair Deshaun what are your expectations for Marvin Bagley going forward for the remainder of the season um I expect him to pretty much more of the same um I would like to see him in more pick and roll I would love for him to be the only big on the court Yep. with floor spacing, shooters around, and I would love to get him and Cade, him and Killian in pick and roll. I think that would be a way to keep him efficient. It would take away the uh, weaknesses as far as using his right hand because nine times out of ten, he's going to be catching lobs in those situations and easy drop-offs. And that's that will put him in a position to be successful, low, low, uh, not necessarily a lower role, but a defined role, giving him the opportunity to really just blossom right there as that five. I, I like that you've mentioned Killian Hayes because I think him and and Killian Hayes and Marvin Bagley in the pick and roll might be just as, if not more, dangerous 
than Cade Cunningham and Marvin Bagley in the pick and roll. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I you know, I mean, Cade Cunningham will be nasty in the pick and roll. It's going to open a few things up. So, but I love your praise of Killian Hayes. I get it. I love your praise. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that that you know Killian is going to hit shots out of the pick and roll better than Cade would. No, I, I obviously not. But I just see Killian Hayes's basketball IQ running the pick and roll with a good big that can catch lobs and alien being able to kick it out if he just making the decision makes that so much more dangerous no exactly and and i I get what you guys are saying like it's going to open up killian hayes's game a little more playing with a lob threat like marvin bagley i think it's the gravity lance it's it's uh, it's the gravity that him setting that screen and rolling it's going to suck the defense in more than not and the gravity the gravity effect, you're going to have open shooters. And, I mean, Killian doesn't do a lot of things well offensively. One thing he does do well is make solid reads. Yep. And yep. it will free him up. It, it would help it. That would help his game tremendously. I agree. I agree. I And I didn't mean to be hard on Killian. I agree with you guys. You're right. It's going to open his game up a little more with Marvin Bagley. But, man, I really – my expectations for him – I want, I want to see him just continue to play in a, rest, a lesser role because I do feel like less is more when it comes to Marvin Bagley. Just don't give him too many responsibilities. You know, I mean, still let him shoot the three-point shot, you know, a little bit. Let him get his confidence up and let him get to those numbers again. But really, my expectations are for him just like, you know, be a solid pick-and-roll guy. You know, be around the rim for when that ball comes off and you're getting offensive rebounds because he's very good at getting the ball and going right back up with it. He's very good at putbacks. We've seen another play like that when Sadiq Bay drove the lane against Boston. And, I mean, he went over everybody. Those are my expectations for Marvin Bagley. Just keep playing close to the rim. You know, do less and just use your length and your athletic ability to go over guys and get easy buckets. That are, Those are my expectations for Marvin Bagley. So Lids dropped their top-selling NBA players jersey, and Grant Hill is still number one in Michigan. Do you think Cade Cunningham ultimately surpasses him as the most popular jersey bought in Michigan, or do you think it's still going to be Grant Hill's years from now? If it's Grant Hill, it's because the team hasn't brought back the teal. You think that's the only reason they're number one is because of the teal jersey with Grant? I, no, I don't think necessarily just that. I'm saying if it's not Cade Cunningham in, I don't know how long it would take, 20 years, that it would be because that jersey is still selling because it's the teal. I tell you right now, they're going to have to make more of those alternate red jerseys. That would be the number one seller if they continue to push those out, I believe. But with the Deshaun, new reds? Yeah, the one I got you for the yeah, Garza. yeah. Those things are dope. They are really clean. I do like those. The shorts are really clean as well. But, uh, Deshaun, do you think Cade eventually surpasses Grant Hills, the number one jersey in Michigan? I think he has the potential to. If he – if he – one thing about the going-to-work Pistons is nobody on that team was necessarily drafted to the organization outside of Tayshaun Prince. Yep. So, I think Cade Cunningham has the opportunity – the city has welcomed him with open arms. If he manages to bring a title or win a championship, like if he, if he wins a championship in Detroit, he'll be immortalized with the Isaiah Thomases. Grant Hill is just such a iconic figure as far as in Pistons legacy though, in history, it's like 
it's 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 it'll be hard. It's it's the what could have been. It, it, that's what keeps him yeah. so relevant in Detroit. Like, man, we were so close to having yeah. a superstar. It's like no, there's nobody, no Piston fans anywhere that has bad things to say about Grant Hill. It's like everybody just we we all loved him. Yep. And Cade kind of has that same kind of vibe, but it's gonna have to come with some winning behind it to so, to reach to reach that catapult to that level of Grant Hill. But let's just say Cade never wins a championship in Detroit. I know nobody wants to hear that. But he has, like, that superstardom that Grant Hill had. Like, he was the multiple-time All-Star, multiple All-NBA teams. You know, he was basically the face of the franchise, but he didn't win. Do you think that would still catapult Cade as the number one jersey sales in Michigan? Or do you think he has to win in order for him to surpass Grant Hill? I think for the, long, for the long-term effect, he would have to win. I think, I think it's one of those things where – where um excuse me grant hill is like i mean we weren't even the best but it's like he's right up there when you name greatest pistons it's like isaiah thomas ben wallace chauncey billups you start naming guys grant hill's right there with them yep and and it's 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 it's, uh he he should have his jersey retired the number 33 should hang in detroit Mm, and I think a, I think what you just said, as far as how much it has sold and everything, I think that's a testament to it. The fans would appreciate that. I think so too. But Andrew, what about you? Do you think same question? Do you think if Cade doesn't win a championship in Detroit but has a similar career to Grant Hill and that he's getting all these individual accolades, he's the face of the franchise? Do you think that will catapult him in the number one for jersey sales? I do. I do think so. I don't think he necessarily has to win a championship because winning a championship is such a a team driven accolade. Whereas, you know, we, we have this guy almost like getting Grant Hill again, you know, and we have this guy that has all the markings and all the makings and the game made up to be a superstar. Now we just need the the time for him to become that so i think it'll be like look man you uh you look at some of the crowd at at pistons games today you i guarantee you'll still see a ben wallace jersey i guarantee you'll see a a tayshawn jersey a, a rip hamilton jersey i guarantee you'll see some bad boys jerseys you know so and i think cade cunningham is gonna be that in the 20 years, you know, Pistons fans are still going to be rocking his Jersey barring any horrible breakup, you know, 10 years down the line. I think they need to put Cade Cunningham's name on the back of the teal Jersey to get these hills up. You know, I think it's time for Pistons fans to recognize out with the old and with the new let's get Cade's number up there. But what, what Pistons, what, what Piston would you want to see number one leading in sales, even though, they won't leave their mark on a piston. Like they won't be like an immortal, like Grant Hill or some of the other top guys, but like who's a name that you could see being that you would like to see number one for Jersey sales, Anthony Tolliver. I, I knew you'd pick Anthony Tolliver. I thought you were going to go Luca Garza for a second. Cause I could, I could <laughs> That's easily, my guy, yeah, I was going to say, I could <laughs> easily see Luca Garza just having, just crazy jersey sales in michigan because fans love him so much but 
outside of Anthony Tolliver and Luca Garza, are there any other names you guys can think of that that are on the current Pistons that could be number one in sales? Oh, current? Uh, I have Sadiq Bay. Ooh, yeah. See, but I think he could, but also the number 41 is just not – it's not a sexy number on a jersey to wear around. It's really not. <laughs> it just don't look good. Yeah, it's like, I mean, but, but, but don't you think, like, numbers kind of play a role in it, though, a little bit? Like, Grant Hill's number 33. It's iconic. Isaiah Thomas – Isaiah Thomas is number 11. It's iconic. Ben Wallace is number three. It's iconic. Luca Garza is number 55. It's kind of iconic. You know, I mean, it's like, it's a weird number, but it, like it fits with Luca. 41 just doesn't fit with Sadiq Bay. So it's not as sexy on a jersey, in my opinion. So I don't know. I don't think, I think there's a chance I, uh, Sadiq Bay has it, but I don't know. I just don't, I think the number 41 will hold him back in jersey sales. I agree, actually, with that. Sexy That's number, not yeah. That's it's not just a like, good number. It's, it's just really not. Like, if he came out and wore number 91, I'd be like, oh, my God, I got to get the jersey. Like, I got to get it. Like, That's or even if Isaiah be... Stewart wore number 91, like Dennis Rodman did for the Bulls, that would, that would catapult him, in my opinion. Just the number 91 with Isaiah Stewart's name on the Man. back, that would catapult him in jersey sales. We better end this before I start hurting feelings because that's the stupidest reason. Oh, both you deserve my feelings. You deserve my feelings. <laughs> both of you. Uh, no, man, the player makes the jersey. I'd buy a Sadiq Bay jersey at 41. I don't care. I'm just saying the number 41 is not as sexy as some of these other iconic Pistons numbers. I mean, I bet you Dennis Rodman with number 10 is still beating Sadiq Bay in jersey sales. I would love to see those numbers. I bet you Dennis Rodman. I would Rodman. hope so, too. It's the player, though. 30 years? But, I mean, I'm just word. saying, like, who wants to – like, that that jersey, Yeah, though, I mean, that I, 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 you should say, like, Lindsey Hunter. <laughs> Wow, you can't no, take no. one of the best ever. Like I'm, I'm sure Isaiah Thomas jersey sales are still beating Darko's. But well, I mean Darko's is iconic in itself. Let's be honest. But for different reasons. But Lindsey Hunter, like, yeah, there is. I mean, obviously you're wearing it for the name on the back, but there is something to be said about the number. Like, if Sadiq paid, like Sadiq Bay pulled up in like a thirty. You know, like he had a 30 jersey. You'd be like, all right, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like it's a 30. He's a three-point specialist. I get it. 41 is just not as sexy for jersey sales. And I am sticking by that take until I die. But all right, guys, that is the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Sean for coming on. I'm going to drop all of his links in the bio. But to Sean, before we leave, where can they follow you again on Twitter? Again, follow me at uh, Mr. Black Platinum. And uh Go to pistonpower.com. You can check out my articles there and my writings. Um, I got the top five all-time Pistons small forwards list. And I'll drop the link to that article as well in the bio of this podcast, the description. Make make sure you check out that list. You can follow me on Instagram at Everything Pistons Podcast, on Twitter, E Pistons Pod. And you can always email the show directly at epistonspod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Caparossi. Again, thank you guys for listening to the show. Go subscribe, drop a comment, leave us a rating. But more importantly, tell a Pistons fan. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.